Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Samsara is Sanskrit, word that means ever-turning wheel of life. And it is a point of departure for filmmakers Ron Fricke and Mark Maggotson as they search for the elusive current of interconnection that runs through all of our lives. Made over a four-year period in 25 countries on five continents, Samsara opens today, Friday, August 31st, at the Landmark Theater, as well as other theaters in Southern California, with a gorgeous 4K digital presentation. Samsara explores the world of wonders and from the mundane to the miraculous. We're joined by the director, Ron Fricke, and the producer, both filmmakers, I should say, uh, and Mark Magidson uh, here on Film School. Ron and Mark, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Well, um, I guess the obvious question, I mean, you, you have done films uh, s- similar in, 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 uh, in uh, presentation. Uh, uh, Cronus is obviously one that uh, I've seen before, uh, as well as... as uh, what was it though about the making of Samsara? Why why did you uh, decide you wanted to uh, make this film um, after having made Cronus and Baraka? Well, it's Ron? like a follow up oh, project. It's just yeah. time to get back out there and um, continue the theme of uh, interconnection. That's what we uh, mm-hmm. were working on in uh, Baraka: humanity's relationship to the eternal. And uh, Samsara is about a um, same film, same kind of form. It's uh, conceived as a nonverbal guided meditation on the themes of birth, death, and rebirth. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and um, when when you were when did you decide? How was it? What was it? Just seemed like a uh, sort of a continuation. Sort of. Do you look at this as a trilogy of films, or is is that one of the reasons to sort of well i would i wouldn't call it a trilogy they're different films and different times right. um, uh, samsara is uh, a number of years later the world's a different place um and you know it, these are these are as ron said it's a follow-up i would say more than a sequel or a or part of oh, a trilogy okay terrific now uh it, it, i just mentioned uh 25 countries five continents the logistics involved. I just want to get into a little bit about uh, sort of how, how one goes about deciding where you're going to go, uh, and the the uh, and just kind of getting all of that, uh, marshaling all your resources in in order to do that. Mark, tell us a little bit about what went into that process. Well, um, you know, it's a process where we're doing research based on the tr- on the concepts of the film. The uh, concept being birth, death, and rebirth, or impermanence and imagery that uh, relates to that and um, that's where we uh, you know look for imagery that um, is visual in nature that's uh, that that fits within the themes that has a vi- uh, you know a visual quality that we find we think rises to a level of visual interest and that's the criteria for uh, you know research and then you go out and and uh, access those those locations in different parts of the world uh, and make all the arrangements to to go film there it's a it's a complicated process it takes a long time and and we've had a lot of experience for, with it 
Ron, yeah, was there, were there things that, uh, I mean, you're having done films like this in the past, um, were there things that have gotten through technology, have they, have they afforded you better opportunities uh, to go places where maybe you couldn't have gone uh, five or ten years ago? Tell us a little bit about sort of the technological advances that have allowed you to get into places or not. Um, well, you know, you could just put it, sum it up in one word, YouTube. Uh, the Internet has just opened up the world, mm-hmm. and uh, we're able to do research and access in ways we couldn't before, as well as friends helping us out. And Lots of the uh, locations and sequences in the film were actually found on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Friends. Yeah, and YouTube was, was one of the main hits. So, so you were able to... I mean, obviously you had some sense of where you wanted to go, some idea. And obviously, that I just want to um, talk a little bit about the opening sequence. Where was that? Where did you film that? With the well, we had a scenario. We had a concept working on uh, the birth-death-rebirth theme, which is really about the flow or the interconnection of things. And um, we decided that we were going to uh, create a uh, sand painting mandala, mm-hmm which we shot in Ladakh, India. Mm-hmm. And once we had that in place, we knew we had the opening and the closing of the film. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was a matter, as Mark said, we would just went out and uh, worked on the subject matter that related to the themes to fill in the film. Okay. So... so uh uh, the the sequence that I, w- I was thinking of was with the three young girls or the three you know, young ladies. That that dance sequence was just I mean it's, it's such a striking and beautiful uh, imagery. Is there something about that particular the the uh, the dance, if you will, that they were doing? Was there significance to that? Well, you know, it, we really saw that as kind of an opening, as a, a welcome to Samsara kind of sequence. Okay. It's a, it was a, a sequence we filmed in Bali. It's called the Lagang Dance. The, the, the young dancers are only eight or nine years old. and um, uh, They're like the three muses. They, they welcome you into the film. That's, that's what, I was, what I was wondering, if that's, that was the intent, was to sort of, uh, if that was their, their place in, in the film, was sort of, as you said, this is sort of an opening for... And they also set up the eye contact, you know, that you're, you're going to be looking directly into the portraits. Well, that, that was a, some, among the many, many different uh, striking images in this film, uh, the, the eyes of these three young, young girls in this, in this is really quite striking and, and beautiful, uh, really a, a lovely, a lovely uh, beginning of the film and really does as you said kind of welcomes you into this into this world uh, um tell us a little bit about the technology we were we we're uh, i think it was shot in 70 millimeter yeah it's 70 millimeter film it's what we've used for both chronos and baraka um and this time we're, we've gone out to the 4K output, a digital output, so it's a hybrid of using a really old uh, 50-year-old camera system that's still the best way to capture imagery combined with a cutting-edge uh, high-resolution scanning process that we uh, did with, with Baraka in, a few years ago, but outputting to a 
a, a theatrical exhibition, and, and, and we just think it's the best of, of uh, best combination of technologies to give the best possible viewing experience. It's beautiful, and uh, is anyone is seventy millimeter? Is anyone shooting in seventy millimeter? I mean, it's it's not certainly not a very common. Um, it, yeah, it's really format. rare. Uh, very rarely used. Um, it is has been used a bit in the master that's coming out that the Paul Thomas Anderson film mm-hmm. uh, that's coming out in the near future. Um, this is our third film using it, uh, and. Um, you know, it's digital still hasn't caught up yet as far as we're concerned with, with image capture. It, it, I know the camera's appreciably uh, bigger, they're more difficult to work with. Uh, I mean, then uh, what, what's sort of the, the logistics of, of working with that, those 70-millimeter cameras? Well, it's very similar to a full um, normal 35-millimeter camera rig. Um, it's not that much bigger. Um, but the reason that we're going out armed with the 65 NAG in the Panavision cameras is um, we're not working with an actor or a main character, so the image really is our main character. Mm-hmm. We really want to be able to bring out the essence of the uh, landscapes and portraits that we're shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fidelity is just unmatched in that format. It's really difficult to convey in an interview until you've actually seen these, the, the, the film, just the clarity and the striking, the color contrast, the, it, it, it's, it's just a remarkable uh, picture. In a 4K projection, you see everything in that 65 neg. I mean, you're seeing the people's eyeballs. Yeah. All the detail is there. Well, I watched it on a, on a computer screen uh, on my big my big oversized iMac and um i was um, it's remarkable on that level and I, now i urge people go on to see this in the theater for goodness yeah. sake i mean it yeah if if what i saw uh you know which i which is just amazing uh i can only imagine in a, in a theater to see it that way is Plus you have the 7.1 surround Yes, and I do want to talk about the sound. Uh, you you uh, use uh, is it Lisa Gerard and uh, Marcelo de Franceschi. Am I saying Franceschi? Yeah, and Franchisi. Michael Stearns. And Michael Stearns, just just beautiful music. Um, um, so I want to get a little. Also, t- talk to you a, a bit about. By the way, we're speaking with Ron Fricky and Mark Maggotson, the uh, filmmakers responsible for the remarkable documentary Samsara, which is the Sanskrit word meaning. The Ever-Turning Wheel of Life. It is opening today, August 31st, here in Southern California. And they will be, uh, um, the, Ron and Mark will be at the Landmark Theater tonight for the 7.15 showing, as well as uh, the 8.30 show, and introducing the 8, 9.55 showing at the Landmark. So you guys are in for a, for a, <laughs> for a bit of a night uh, at the Landmark, which is great for people who want to come down and see it. And you'll also be there tomorrow uh, at the Landmark, as well as Marcella de uh, French. Say it again, Francesi. Francesi. Thank you. My uh, my Italian is not very good, obviously. Um, so th- for the 450 show, and also to introduce the 715 show. So so get over and see that. Um, the editing. Uh, how long did it take? Once you did you w- did you shoot everything and and then edit it, or did you shoot and edit? How how did the process? Um, Mark, how did the process go in terms of once you shot it or how you shot it and edited it? Uh, well, we shot for about three years, and we came back and, you know, ha- kind of had a feeling like we've got enough material now to, to start putting the film together. And 
we had that um, sequence that that sort of structural foundation, the sand painting that we talked about, yeah. and uh, edited edited sequences of like material in, in two to three to four minute sections segments, and within that uh, framework, all those segments you know have, you can move them around and try them in different places, and we edited it without any music. It was edited in total silence, just like a a Zen approach to editing and letting the image uh, take you through the, the the editing process, connect and connect together. So you had shot everything, and then you edited, or did you go back out after after you edited some of it, or how did? Not sure what your. We basically shot uh, probably ninety five percent of it. Okay. We went out uh, about uh, six eight months into the edit and just picked up a few little uh, areas where we felt we needed a little more material, a couple pickups, uh, which we had you know planned on. It's something that we had done in Baraka as well, mm-hmm. and um, finished the film that you know that way, and then then brought the composers in after. Now, uh, did you, what are you uh, editing on? Are what are you using for? Uh avid or or using uh we used final cut final cut well it's uh, i mean th- and this obviously there's so much uh, for the film like this it, it, there's so much about the rhythm of the film and so obviously you, you're editing in that in that silence and then bringing in the the uh the mu- the composer the, the music after the fact um what was your approach to the composer to the musicians involved with uh, with the film did you is certain instructions you gave them what was the sort of um latitude that you gave them ron what was it in in that part of the film well as mark said we cut the film in um silence silence to form these um blocks of uh subject matter and it, the reason we approached it that way is that we were um, working with the flow, and we wanted the image to really uh, direct that. Uh, and that was what we were achieving in the cut, which was the power of flow to sculpt the film, mm-hmm. the interconnection. And then the uh, composers saw the material as we were working with it, and they began to um, get ideas and uh, compose pieces to these various different sections. With any specific instructions, or just... Uh, just Well, they would send us sketches. Or, you know, we all work very closely together in, in uh, the same area. You know, Lisa came to Los Angeles for five months, moved here. Michael Stearns moved here from Santa Fe for, I think, nine months. And uh, um, they basically are interpreting the sequences and then creating music uh, for those sequences, so the music has an arc. Uh, it's not uh, you, it's not a process where you're micromanaging the, the emotional uh, support of the music to a to a dialogue scene, for example, in a traditional feature film. So you end up with a piece of music you can really listen to mm-hmm. uh, that has a little space in it uh, with the image for the viewer. And that that's where I was that's quite where I was going is 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 the, the, that it's standalone music, but it works beautifully with the with the film itself and. Um, but it's it's always, I mean, it's such a key part. It's images and the music mm-hmm. and and the, the the them working together. It's obviously a very important part. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's fifty fifty. Yeah, it's not just the images. It's half of it is the music. Yeah. It really gives you the emotion. Yep. Or or the narrative to the film, if you will, but in a, a through the music. 
Yeah, and and I, uh, I I'm a fan, a big fan of uh, Dead Can Dance, and obviously, Mark, you have worked with them in the past. Is that what, how you got to know um, Lisa uh, Gerard? Well, originally, Lisa actually um, worked on, did a little bit of music for uh, Baraka oh, that's right. twenty years ago. So that's how we we got to know her, uh, okay. and um, you know, we had used a pre-recorded piece of music, an amazing piece of music for Baraka called Hostess Seraphim, and then yeah. she additionally came into the studio and helped us with a scoring a couple of sequences in Baraka, and that's how that relationship started. Um, and she's gone on to really great things in film score with Gladiator and The Insider, the Insider. and Bell Rider and a lot of the, those mainstream films she's done. Yeah, she, she's terrific. Well, she's just a terrific musician. I was always very impressed with Dead Can Dance, and she's really stood out uh, in, in that, in that um, venue. Um, terrific stuff. Um, so... What has been uh, the now? This film has screened at a number of film festivals. Um, how, how and have you been happy, surprised? What has been sort of the most uh, interesting uh, reaction you've gotten from uh, from your journey along that path of the, uh, the the film, the international film circuit? It's been uh, quite positive. Um, um, the questions we get at the Q and A are really uh, involved in the flow of the film and yeah. um, their audience is picking up on the uh, connection between things. Um, so we, I don't think we could, Mark and I could be happier with the response. Well, I, I completely understand. It, it's, uh, yeah, it, again, I, I, it's, uh, you're, you have such a great track record uh, with Baraka and Cronus and then now with uh, Simsara, uh, a beautiful uh set of films um and obviously what's the next are you working on a project moving forward in the same vein what what's next for you uh mark in terms of your filmmaking well you know i i for me i need a little break this has been a long road and these films take a lot of uh, a lot out of your life uh, they're all they're very wonderful to to do and they're wonderful to finish you know this was a five-year project right uh, baraka was three years and that's part of the reason why there's a bit of a gap in there um so uh, you know i've got to just finish this film this film's not quite done for me yet and a lot because it's got to get out in the world um yeah. and fortunately that's happening this weekend in in the u.s but um i've still got some work in front of me but and now I'll, I'll sit back and see what i do next how about yourself ron what are you what are you thinking about well <clears throat> there's definitely another world nonverbal epic out there the world is such a beautiful place yeah and it's full of amazing things yeah there are a few places that got away from us, but we'll, <laughs> we'll catch it on the next one. Well, excellent. Well, uh, all the best on this. It is, uh, as Samsara, the uh, the Sanskrit word uh, that mean, means uh, the ever... T- uh, t- let me start over. The Sanskrit word meaning the ever-turning wheel of life. Beautiful, spectacular, uh, involving, emotional. Uh, it pulls the, the, the viewer into a world... An amazing world, an amazing world that we all occupy, that we know so little about, given um, the sort of narrow confines that we put on ourselves. And this is a, a window into all of that. Uh, my my uh, congratulations to both of you for uh, this great film, and uh, thank you for being here on Film School, Ron Fricky and Mark Magidson, uh the the producer and obviously director and producer of uh, of this uh, Subsora. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.